This is a Federal News Network podcast. 2019 was a tumultuous year for the federal workforce. It started with a 35-day government shutdown, the longest in U.S. history. And it ends with a surprise day off, the largest pay raise in a decade, and a brand new benefit for federal employees. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to talk about the past year for the federal workforce and what it all means for the next year. She says this 2019 was defined by mixed messages on everything from telework to agency reorganizations. Nicole, agencies continue to debate the merits of telework. That seems to be just endless debate. How do we see that play out in 2019, and what do you think is going to happen in 2020? Well, Tom, we saw a few agencies make a a couple of changes to their telework policies in 2019. Interior came in and I think said pretty liberally, we're just requiring regular employees to come in at least one day per biweekly pay period. So one every one day every two weeks into the office before it was pretty much unlimited. But what they did say was supervisors can no longer telework and essentially said that we think a supervisor's place is in the office overseeing their employees and managing. At least one office in the Department of Health and Human Services also cut telework back. This time they said you can only telework one day a week. That is based on some bargaining negotiations with the National Treasury Employees Union that gave the agency pretty much the discretion to change their telework policy. And then the big one, I think, is the Social Security Administration that ended telework for its operations employees, citing customer service challenges. And that specific program, I think we're going to continue to hear more about that as Congress has urged Social Security to reinstate a telework policy. I'm not sure that means they'll be especially proactive about uh, reinstating that program, but we heard a lot from agencies about this. And in many ways, the whole telework question was caught up in the bigger issue of what is the relationship between management and employees in the federal context, which the administration, through its executive orders, and through the negotiating tactics of several agencies, has really been playing out. Yeah, I think that's completely accurate. And this all comes as the Office of Personnel Management still encourages the use of telework. They say employees like it. They do an annual work-life survey, and telework is very highly rated. And even when things come up like major metro construction over the summer, weather events, that sort of thing, OPM is constantly urging agencies to think about those flexibilities and to really use them. And then on the other hand, we're seeing agencies say, actually, we want you in the office as much as possible. We don't trust you necessarily to do the work and be more productive at home than we otherwise would if you were here. Well, one bad commute on the Baltimore-Washington Expressway would convince any sane person, I think, (laughs) to believe in teleworking. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. And of course, you spent a lot of the year covering the relocations and reorganizations of federal agencies, some small bureaus, but big impact on them. How have those fared? And again, what are we going to see coming up in 2020? Well, it really depends on, I think, the agency and what they were doing. You know, we saw the Agriculture Department pretty much blow in with their plan, and they not much deterred them from changing that plan. They moved the Economic Research Service and the National Institute of Food and Agriculture to Kansas City. This was after a long process of deciding where specifically these two bureaus would go. The vast majority of the existing workforces at those two agencies did not take the job and decided to leave, find other jobs at another agency, or leave government altogether. And the vacancy rates at those agencies, I think, were pretty staggering at some points. 
USDA has always said, you know, look, we planned for this. We knew people would leave. But, you know, at one point they were asking reemployed annuitants, retired former employees to come in and do the work for them. Meanwhile, the Office of Personnel Management, I mean, this is the story I think that won't necessarily end either. We're going to hear more about this because of the congressional provisions in the annual defense policy bill that said to OPM, look, we don't want you to move anything that's in statute to the General Services Administration, to the Office of Management and Budget, until an independent entity, in this case, the National Academy of Public Administration, can come in and look at this. And, you know, I think we saw skepticism from Congress on both sides of the aisle about what the administration wanted. And I think we see that across the board with some of these other relocations. They just want more information about why these mergers are going on. Otherwise, it's hell no, I won't go. (laughs) Yeah, I think we heard that chant at a few union rallies this past year. I think so. And uh, the Bureau of Land Management. Right. That one's still going on. And I think it's a little too soon to tell exactly how many employees will make the move to Grand Junction, Colorado, or some of those other Western states. But again, this brings up the question of what services do you need in Washington, D.C.? The vast majority of government services, as I think a lot of people forget, are already outside of the Washington area, 80 to 85 percent. How much more do you need out there? Yes, and I was discussing this with someone just over the weekend and the idea of moving to, say, Kansas City like the USDA employees. Well, I judge a city like Kansas City on the fact that it has a major league baseball and a major league football team. Mm -hmm. So it probably has the kinds of resources to support those that would support a life you might be used to in the D.C. area. Grand Junction, Colorado is about the size of Rockville Mm -hmm. population, and it's way out there. Far from, it looks like about a nine-hour drive to Denver. Pardon my geography for those Coloradans, and I might have it wrong, but very different idea of moving there with your family. You could be thousands of miles from the things you're used to. I think that's right. And the bottom line is that these moves, the reorganizations, just created a lot of uncertainty for the employees themselves. You know, we saw that at the Office of Personnel Management. We did some extensive reporting on this over the past year. And, you know, that sheer uncertainty of the lack of information about that proposal has driven top executives and is still driving top executives out the door to other agencies or to retirement. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. How would you say federal employee unions would describe the past year? Well, the unions have been in court with the Trump administration for most of 2019. And that did, I guess you could say, slightly resolved Toward the end of this year, we got a decision from the appeals court that lifted the injunction on the president's executive orders on collective bargaining, official time, and firing employees. OPM and the White House quickly told agencies, you need to begin implementing all of these executive orders immediately. Whether or not you have agreed to bargain over a new contract or not. And I think if you talk to the unions, they'll say that the implementation really varies depending on the agency and probably based on the relationships that they already had with the agency. But we are seeing some agencies that have been really, I guess we'll say, proactive in implementing these executive orders. There is a pattern there. It starts with likely failed negotiations. They want to bring it to the Federal Service Impasses Panel, the Impasses Panel, largely reaffirms a lot of what the agency wants to do. And then in some cases, the agencies just say, all right, this is what we want to do, and this is now the lay of the land. All right. So looking up to 2019 and again ahead toward 2020, anything, phrase, thought that you think summarizes the whole thing? For me, Tom, I think the phrase mixed messages comes back over and over again. And then also just the fact that everything seems to be in flux. 
I think you saw that with the how the year started with the government shutdown. I mean, remember those letters that OPM and the administration put out about how employees should talk to their landlords about maybe picking up extra work? Uh, to, right. Yes, that's right. Well, you know, the shutdown. Defer yeah. the financial impacts of the shutdown. And, you know, we've just seen a lot of flip flopping over the year. You know, we saw that with pay. At first, the president proposed a pay freeze, came back in August with a 2.6% raise, and now we're at a 3.1% raise due to Congress. And he's writing a letter touting that in capital letters to federal employees. He sure is. He released that just, you know, a couple days ago and, you know, said, look at all the things that my administration has done for you, the federal workforce. Is this all in response to the government shutdown? I don't know. I think maybe you could make an argument that says, yes, maybe the administration realized, man, we really, you know, perhaps demoralized the workforce here. We really depend on them and rely on them. But I think the bottom line is, is that some of the things that seemed stable about working for the federal government maybe aren't quite as stable anymore. Those telework benefits that you had, maybe where your office is relocated, maybe which agency you work for. All of that is starting to shift and change a little bit, even as you do start to see some progress, we'll say, on things like paid parental leave. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.